0: The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report is out now. Search ey.com slash ie slash CEO and discover the key topics on the minds of Ireland's leading CEOs.
1: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from The Irish Times. This week I'm looking at the standoff between the UK and the European Union over the Northern Ireland Protocol. This follows the decision by the British government this week to introduce a bill to unilaterally scrap the protocol. Earlier today, the European Commission announced that it had launched infringement proceedings against the UK for not complying with significant parts of the deal, which it described as a clear breach of international law. So what happens to the Northern Ireland Protocol from here? Does this reopen the debate around a hard border between North and South? And will there be a trade war between the UK and the EU? Simon Carswell of the Irish Times, Stephen Kelly, Chief Executive of Manufacturing Northern Ireland, and Robert Sweeney, a Policy Analyst at the TAS Think Tank in Dublin, join me to consider the implications of the British move. I began by asking Simon Carswell to explain how the British bill differs from the protocol that was signed as part of the UK's Brexit deal.
0: Well, the proposals that have come from the UK government is to they've published legislation, enabling legislation that would give the UK government powers to basically dismantle Parts of the Northern Ireland Protocol. And just to remind people what the protocol does, it essentially puts a border, a trade border in the Irish Sea. It means that any goods coming from Britain into Northern Ireland, the checks and paperwork needs to be carried out at Northern Irish ports. And the reason this was done was to avoid the need for a, a customs border or a trade border on the island of Ireland between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And what the UK government has done is they basically said, well, that's led to unnecessary burden on administration for businesses in Northern Ireland, and they've also cited political concerns. They've said the fact that the DUP are opposed to the protocol and are refusing to form a new power sharing government in Stormont, that for those reasons that they need to look at changing the protocol. And so what they've done is they've they've come up with this broad plan in the legislation. The legislation itself doesn't change this yet, but it would give powers to UK government ministers to do it. And They basically said about one-sixth of goods heading into Northern Ireland from Britain is at risk of going into the EU single market. And for that reason, there really shouldn't be the level of checks that are required under the protocol. And so what they're basically saying is, is that all the goods that are staying within Northern Ireland, they shouldn't be subject to those checks. So the way they're proposing to, to change things is they would create a new green channel arrangements for goods staying in Northern Ireland. So that would remove the checks for, let's say, a lot of um, supermarket chains would be sending food to their outlets in Northern Ireland. So those wouldn't be subject to those checks. And then alongside a green channel, they would have a red channel, which this is for the goods heading um, uh, deemed to be heading in to the, heading on the Republic or in, on into the EU single market, and they would be subject to the full rigor of checks and paperwork. And what they're also um, intending to do is to create a new dual regulatory model that would provide flexibility, so it allow businesses to choose between each. UK and EU rules, and that would remove barriers to trade and manage risks of future divergence between the UK and the EU. That's a very big plan and there's not much detail at all in um, the legislation to say how this would work. And then two other things they're looking to do as well is the government in the UK is also hoping to allow um, businesses to avail of subsidies. So uh, the current protocol rules means that subsidies cannot apply to businesses in Northern Ireland and also uh, businesses in Northern Ireland are subject to EU VAT rules. Um, the UK doesn't like that because, for example, they re- uh, they eliminated VAT on on the purchase of um, solar panels and energy saving materials, and they said that, that that benefit should be available to Northern Irish businesses too, as an example. And then finally, the area that they're uh, another area that they're unhappy about, and which is a big sticking point and a, and a red line for the European Union, is in the area of governance. They don't like the fact that the European Court of Justice is the kind of final arbiter for any. Um, in any dispute resolution mechanism, when it comes to the protocol, they feel that British courts should be uh, should have oversight of this and not European courts. But the European Union has said in the past that that's just non-negotiable. If if uh, Northern Ireland is subject to EU single market rules for goods. Um, then the European Court of Justice has to be the final arbiter when it comes to any disputes that arise. And it's kind of obvious that um, the EU would react badly to this. Um, the EU has said, really, there's only, there's only one option that could have been uh, agreed, and that was all agreed in the protocol. And um, the European Union has responded, as as we had expected, They have said that they are uh, resuming legal action uh, following the publication of this bill Uh, and they're also warning that they could be brought to the European Court of Justice within a two-month period over the unilateral action that the London government has taken. So it's really put both sides very, very far apart and makes it look like any kind of resolution or compromise being reached uh, looks very remote at this stage.
1: Stephen Kelly, welcome back to Inside Business. You've been on the show a couple of times before talking about how the protocol was impacting on the day-to-day business of your members. Just explain to us
2: how this has worked on the ground for your members over the past couple of years. Well, there's no doubt about it that the, the protocol has created a fracture in the supply chain from Great Britain into Northern Ireland. That has meant not just manufacturers, but anybody in business who brings anything from GB into Northern Ireland has really been struggling with uh, when we uh, survey the members, the single biggest challenge that they all report is the willingness and the preparedness of GB businesses to send goods from GB into Northern Ireland. And I think it's important to kind of remember, well, why, why is that trade route important? Well, it, people buy, people from Northern Ireland buy from GB for a variety of reasons. There's uh, cultural and historic reasons, there's contractual reasons. There's also currency and legal structures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, to, to suddenly have this convulsion in your supply chain uh, is has been incredibly difficult for businesses in the North. And that was borne out in all the surveys that we've conducted through 2021 and indeed into 2022. The single biggest problem remains the willingness and preparedness of GB businesses. Uh, whilst the probable expectation of, the EU was that as a result of the protocol, supply chains would shift. What we're left with now, and that's happened in many areas, but what we're left with now is that supply chain that just cannot move. Uh, The Commission themselves recognised some of this in their moves uh, to to change the law around the movements of human medicines, uh, where the expectation was supply chains would move, but actually it became apparent that that supply chain could not move. Uh, not just for Northern Ireland, but for the island of Ireland, for Cyprus and Malta as well. So really what we're left with now is is that bit of the supply chain that isn't being stubborn in terms of we're, we're determined just to continue to trade with this part of uh, the UK, but it's actually the piece that cannot move, and that's the bit that causes the most stress in all of this process. As Simon has said there, uh, a lot of what comes to Northern Ireland just stays in Northern Ireland, doesn't move on, 70% of what moves across the Irish Sea is stuff for our retail sector, largely for groceries. Uh, so actually fixing that is the, uh, is the key to all this problem that from an economic point of view. In terms of how our manufacturing community has coped, uh, there's no doubt that the, uh, the protocol comes with costs. Our estimate is it's probably in the region of about 195 million pounds last year and that's based on a kind of commercial transaction cost to do these customs elements times the number of bits that moved across the IEC uh, and that, that has an impact uh, on competitiveness of course but on the other side of that p is the, the benefit that it's actually brought. We continue to have free access to the EU's market in both directions and we continue to have unfettered access into the rest of the UK marketplace. And increasingly, there's evidence that our manufacturing community in particular have been grasping that opportunity. So we know about the trade statistics, Northern Ireland to Ireland. Uh, We know those are up 61% in 2021. We know they're up a further 37% in the first quarter of 2022. Just yesterday, our uh, employment statistics were out and it showed that uh, the the manufacturing community is not only ahead of where it was pre-pandemic, Uh, So there's more people working in manufacturing now than there was prior to the pandemic. But actually, the pace in which jobs are growing in the manufacturing sector is outstripping uh, the equivalent in the rest of the UK. And there's economic evidence across a whole raft of areas, whether those are inflationary numbers, whether those are job numbers, whether those are sales and investment numbers. Northern Ireland uh, manufacturers, as they normally do, they run towards a problem, they try to fix it and they move on. Uh, so in many respects for manufacturers, the protocol was a 2021 issue and they're dealing with 2022's issues now. Uh, but that's not to say that there doesn't continue to be problems that need to be fixed. Not least the fact that we don't have an executive in the north and we can't respond to this cost of living and cost of uh, business crisis. So general picture, we're winning more than we're losing. Uh, general picture, there's opportunity here that we really need to grasp. Uh, the challenge is trying to sort out that supply chain GBDNA and try to sort out our politics. So in broad terms, do your members um, support the British government's move or not? Well, we haven't surveyed them and asked them if they support the British government's move. But equally, I've had loads of phone calls from people who are concerned about what this means on, on a couple of different levels. The first one is is on just the uncertainty piece. There's was huge uncertainty because of Brexit, huge uncertainty then uh, at the beginning of First half of 2021, a lot of time, money and investment put in, not just in terms of their own systems and processes, but just working with customers and suppliers as well. And now we have this further uncertainty again. So there, there's undoubtedly a chilling effect from from both buyers and suppliers to Northern Ireland about, well, you're always on the news here. What does this actually mean? Can we continue to trade with you? So so that uncertainty and that chilling effect is is a challenge that businesses again are having to deal with. Uh, to try to uh, ensure that they can continue to enjoy uh, the the benefits of that trade. The second area is in this dual regulatory regime. So we're really unclear about why the UK government's asking for this first, but secondly, uh, how it could work in practice without holding beneath the waterline the opportunity that exists uh, not just on the island of Ireland, but uh, through the rest of the UK for Northern Ireland's producers. Uh, on the face of it, the UK government's basically trying to say that, oh, this is just for those GB suppliers who are sending stuff to Northern Ireland, that they don't need to worry about multiple levels of different regulatory regimes. Uh, it should only really be for that uh, product of final consumption in the north. So essentially stuff that would come through green channels. But the reality is that if you're in in, uh, in manufacturing or particularly in agri-food, uh, there's more than just customs to be worried about, you have a, a market system that's designed around protecting uh, illegal or unwanted items getting into the EU's market. So take for instance uh, animal feed uh, we bring a lot of grain across from GB about 400,000 tons every year. Uh, if the potential there is that that, that grain could have a pesticide or, or some sort of treatment that would be banned in the EU uh, and the farmer next door decides to use it because it's a bit cheaper but you sell your milk to a, pro- a processor in the south, uh, then how how do you bring assurance to that marketplace whenever there's a uh, product here that, that potentially is banned in the EU? So as a minimum it would cause uh, a, a, a concern and a risk for uh, those EU buyers uh, and potentially that could result in being cut out of that marketplace altogether. So. The entire agri-food industry uh, is very much opposed to this uh, proposition from a broader manufacturing perspective. What it does is it just adds further complexity onto doing business. Uh, It would result as a minimum in the requirement to produce rules of origin or certificates of origin uh, for the goods that are are, uh, being sold uh, into Ireland and elsewhere in the EU. So rather than actually resolving some issues, it adds just further cost and complexity as well as that uncertainty. Uh, So we we have challenges here with it, uh, but we've been asking for the last 48 hours or more for some explanation, some definition about how this actually works. And the the kind of answer we get back from the UK government is, oh, we'll design it with business in order to make it as uh, seamless as possible. Uh, But our preference still is a negotiated outcome from the discussions with the EU.
1: Robert Sweeney, um, is this less about the economy and more about uh, politics in that The DUP obviously didn't have a great election um, in the assembly elections in the north. Sinn Féin came out as the largest party. uh, And obviously Boris is uh, weak at the moment. Um, 40% of his MPs voted no confidence in him recently. And there's nothing like a bit of a ruck with the European Union to garner a bit of support uh, politically in Britain. Um, And so this, you know, overriding the Northern Ireland Protocol uh, goes some way towards deflecting away from his other troubles.
3: That could well be the case in terms of its economic impacts and, and specifically the, the economic impact on the South. I think it will be less consequential for the Republic of Ireland um, than Northern Ireland. If you look at the whole kind of Brexit process, generally the impact on the Republic of Ireland has been somewhat mixed. It, it hasn't been as damaging as what some people were projecting. And so what we have seen is... A significant drop in imports from the UK, but that hasn't been matched by uh, much of a change in exports from the Republic of Ireland to the UK. In terms of these changes to to the the protocol, I think uh, the danger would be that it affects and uh, negatively affects trading between Northern Ireland and uh, the Republic of Ireland. Uh, Primarily because, as was already discussed, it it will be difficult to to verify that goods coming from Northern Ireland are really from Northern Ireland. But at the same time, if if you look at how important a trading partner, Northern Ireland, is to the Republic of Ireland. I mean, it has grown uh, over the last number of years, but it's still not huge. So uh, before Brexit, exports from the Republic of Ireland to Northern Ireland accounted for 1.4% of total exports. Now that has grown in the last few years. It's just under 2% now, Uh, but it's still not huge. And uh, the previous speaker already uh, outlined the potential damage uh, that could be done to uh, the dairy sector in Northern Ireland in particular. Uh, And that's something that... um, people that I've spoken to have also raised that. Uh, One point that um, would be worth making and interested to to hear what the other speakers would be is that a lot of attention has been given to the green and red corridors. Um, But my understanding is that the EU can can live with that uh, potentially, that if it trusts and develops relationships Uh, if if the um, customs officials in Northern Ireland uh, can trust and develop relationships with with the various uh, importers from GB, that they can, um, that the EU can be assured that those goods will stay in uh, Northern Ireland. So there isn't necessarily a huge problem there. As I understand it, the issue is that the EU doesn't it doesn't quite trust um, the British government at the moment because uh, the UK government isn't actually sharing its access to data. And um, so I understand that the, that the EU wants uh, access to real-time data about, uh, well, how much would be coming through the green lane, coming through the red lane, uh, who has uh, certified uh, these as trusted traders, What kind of checks has been taken? So, if the UK government uh, is willing to share uh, real-time data with uh, the European Union, well, then I understand that it will be assured, and you know, its fears about the uh, green-red corridor can be uh, allayed somewhat. Um, So, yeah, I would say it's potentially very damaging to 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 Northern Ireland. I think it's it's less damaging to the Republic of Ireland, but, um, you know, it certainly won't help things, and uh, it could potentially result in checks um, between the border of the Republic of Ireland and uh, Northern Ireland. And so, um, I guess to answer your point about the politics, I mean, I, I can't really speak to the motivation of Boris Johnson in, in, in the timing, I'm sure there is politics, but the, um The broader political implications would be the potential for uh, checks between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. I don't don't think anyone wants to see that.
0: With increasing pressures, Ireland CEOs are working hard to navigate the rapidly evolving business landscape. The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report takes a deeper dive into the topics that are on the minds of Irish CEOs at the moment, and importantly, the issues that leaders should be paying attention to. Discover the key actions to consider as you seek to reshape the future of your organisation at ey.com slash IE slash CEO.
1: Simon, the European Commission today has said it's launched infringement uh, proceedings against the UK. What does that mean in reality? I'm just wondering, are we heading for a trade war here, possibly between the two sides?
0: Well, I think the infringement proceedings announced today is kind of the incremental steps that Brussels intends to take on this. I think a trade war or retaliatory tariffs on certain British items is is a bit away. I think uh, this is the first step towards that. I mean, it's not to say it's not there at some point in the future, but the infringement proceedings were expected, I guess. They've already taken infringement proceedings that were on ice and they've kind of, um, they've unfrozen those now and they've issued fresh ones as well. Um, What they're, they're focusing on is the alleged failure by the UK to build staff and and, uh, border control posts at Northern Ireland's ports and also the alleged failure by the UK to provide real-time data on the movement of goods from Britain to Northern Ireland which is one of the points that Robert was making there, the lack of trust that's there. So um, yes there is uh, a lack of trust uh, on the part of the European Commission with regard to how Britain is uh, implementing the protocol. It's not implementing the protocol and these infringement proceedings are being taken as a result of that. Uh, What's interesting today is the Commission has actually provided a bit more detail about what, uh, what issue it has with the UK proposals um, on the dual regulatory regime, uh, they're pointing out that that would not work because it would just create confusion for consumers, local producers, importers and other businesses regarding what rules should be applied and they say the administrative burden would be extremely heavy. They're also saying that it would be very difficult to ensure monitoring and control of goods and to properly protect consumers. And then they're saying it would pose significant risks to the EU single market, uh, particularly in the area of agri-food and the possibility of infectious diseases spreading across the island of Ireland. And we also have issues for highly regulated goods such as chemicals. What's interesting as well is the Commission have they've they've reiterated their uh, proposals that they put forward last October that the UK hasn't engaged on. And in those proposals, they said they're willing to cut customs uh, procedures by 50% and willing to cut um, the requirements under the sanitary food and health uh, uh, rules for plant and animal uh, product. they're offering to cut those by eighty percent. So they've they've again said, well we've put these proposals to Britain and, and they haven't the British government hasn't responded on that. Um there are proposals in the EU Commission proposals that are similar to what the UK is proposing. For example, the Brussels has proposed an express lane for goods that would be destined for the Northern Ireland market only, um, which isn't a million miles away from the Green Channel that's been suggested by the UK. Uh, but what uh, the UK is taking issue with, or sorry, what the EU is taking issue with the UK is the Trusted Trader scheme. Um, the EU is saying the only way to distinguish goods that remain in Northern Ireland is to have some form of custom processes that are to be in place and that this will enable the EU to have access to data to be able to perform the risk-based controls. So, so they're saying that the Trusted Trader Scheme that the UK wants to introduce with this green channel um, doesn't go far enough as far as they're concerned. So. While there are some ideas that are seem to be similar, there are big differences between the EU and the UK on this and obviously the infringement proceedings won't um, won't improve relations between the two sides to be able to come to the negotiating table and agree some sort of solution.
1: Stephen, just on the politics element of it, um, I'm just wondering, you know, you're based in the North, um, is there any way to square this circle that'll, that'll um, resolve the issues that uh, one side or the other might have uh, with the trading arrangements between Britain and
2: Ireland and uh, Britain and the European Union? <laughs> it's a challenge. I mean, we've been dealing with this government since uh, on this Brexit issue and ultimately then the protocol issue since 2016. Uh, there, there remain still really divergent views within the governing party in the UK about what Brexit should look like and what it should mean, despite the fact that the gov- the, this part, this government went to the people and said they've got Brexit done with an oven-ready deal, that their party was coalescing behind. There still remains a large chunk of the Conservative Party that have a Brexit uh, extreme version. Uh, and there still remains some in the government who want a much softer Brexit, despite where we we've ended up. I, uh, we have political ambition. We have political survival. We also have our own politics in the North, which which need to be resolved. But I. Uh, I, my view is that I, I actually think the DUP in particular are more pragmatic on this than perhaps some of the commentators are, are suggesting. Uh, the language has shifted and changed, changed a bit, uh, they do want this issue resolved, they do want that free flow of goods within the United Kingdom uh, to be restored. Uh, there are some elements of the EU Commission's proposals that would help, there's some elements of the UK's bill that would help, the problem is that both sides are talking past each other so even, even, for instance, on Robert's comments on the commission looking for access to real-time data, that's been available for months and months and months for the commission, but they've chosen not to actually just log in and, and take it down. There was a problem at the beginning where, effectively, because these systems didn't even exist, the commission would have had sight to all of the UK's external trade, which is not something that the UK were prepared to hand over, understandably, uh, but they've had the logins and the codes for months, and we, we deal directly with HMRC and others who who are responsible for this. So there, there's problems here where the both sides are trying to win a PR battle rather than actually getting down and doing the, the, the proper work that's required. There's been no substantive engagement between the UK and the EU since March of this year. The EU's view was, we'll just sit tight, we'll see what way the Assembly election falls, if there's a pro-protocol majority there, then actually we're in a good place. Uh, we think that was a mistake. We told them that was a mistake at the time. They should have engaged much more actively in the in the discussions uh, over the last three months instead of wasting the last three months. Equally, the UK government uh, keeps changing its view about what it thinks about the protocol. It's only interested in the problems and not actually the opportunities that exist there. Uh, and for us, the solution to this, begins with actually having a tripartite meeting, getting both the UK and the EU sides in a room with business, doing a bit of an audit to actually say, well, listen, commission your proposals from October 2021. uh, We've taken you through a really deep dive on those. The headlines don't match the reality of what uh, we would face. Uh, If I give an example, uh, the commission say their proposals would reduce the customs requirements by 50%. Well, there's a world of a difference between 100% of businesses having to complete half the commodity codes, than there is between 50% of businesses having to complete none of the commodities codes and none of the formalities. I uh, the minus 80%. Uh, again, our farmers and food industry took them through in a very deep process. Couldn't really st- the numbers couldn't really stack up. So we just got to be careful about what both sides are saying in the middle of a of a PR war trying to win hearts and minds and trying to. Keep people uh, alongside them. The reality is much more grey than what both sides are are projecting at the moment. The way to get through all of that and to build a solid foundation for discussions is actually to involve business in it in a tripartite basis. From there, with the best of both proposals that are on the table, we'll actually land at something that works for business in the north so we can create the prosperity and in return cement the peace.
1: Uh, Robert Sweeney, I mean, that sounds like a, an eminently uh, sensible suggestion by Stephen. Everybody get around the table and trash out a, a deal, compromise on both sides, um, rather than what he describes as a PR battle.
3: Yeah, that does sound like an eminently sensible proposal. One wonders why they haven't done so already. I mean, you would have to question, though, the uh, British government in this case, because, I mean, the protocol was already agreed on. Um even the Financial Times has criticised uh, the UK government for uh, violations of, of international law. So it would strike me that um, you know the idea that well it, it's it's six six of one and a half a dozen of the other. Um, yeah, well, there's always you know fault on, on, on both sides. But I would have to question that uh, you can't just lay blame around equally. It it, it was the UK government, which has decided to go back and revise this agreement. Uh, So I would tend to to lay more blame on on them. But of course, ultimately, the solution is going to be that people have to get around the negotiating table and uh, thrash this out somehow. Uh,
1: Would the change of Prime Minister in Westminster, would that change the dynamic? I mean, that change could be uh, Liz Truss uh, being PM rather than Boris Johnson. She's the one who's brought forward this bill. I don't think it would change that much if,
3: if Liz Truss was, was the Prime Minister, to be honest with you. Um, the, the only way I'd, I'd really see much of a change, uh, given the, the current political makeup in, in the UK, would be if, if Labour were in power and Keir Starmer were in power in, instead of um the Tories. Now, I'm not necessarily uh, huge on, on Keir Starmer, but he has been kind of uh, less... Uh, belligerent and more willing to, um, you know, get around the negotiating table and uh, offer a, a few olive branches um, to the various parties than um, the Tories, who in part are driven by a desire to placate the DOP. But I, I wouldn't see, you know, reshuffling within the Tory party necessarily as, as a game changer, to
1: be honest with you. Simon, what's the role of the Irish government in this? How can the Irish government... Help to grease the wheels, as it were.
0: Well, I think it's very difficult. I mean, some of the rhetoric has been extremely strong this week already. You know, Teachuk des- describing the ripping up of the Northern Ireland Protocol as being a new low and a fundamental breach of trust, and Simon Coveney, the Foreign Minister, saying that you know Ireland cannot become collateral damage and all this. It's 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 put Ireland in a very tricky situation, and unfortunately, it's put us back in a situation that we were at in the summer of 2019 when we were looking at the possibility of a a hard Brexit or a No Deal Brexit where we were talking about what we would have to do to protect the EU single market because of um, no agreement between the EU and the UK. We have an agreement between the UK and the EU and the UK has decided to run roughsh- roughshod over that now. So the Irish government, is, if things continue to get worse and there's no solution found, uh, we're going to get back into the realm of talking about checks and where they need to be carried out. And if you remember back to the summer of 2019, Pat Leahy, our political editor, is writing about this today in the Irish Times. And he's saying, uh, you know, that the talk then was of um, we need to carry out checks. We're going to try as much as we can to carry them out of businesses uh, and away from the border. So we're getting back into the realm of or are we having to look at the possibility of doing checks on the border between the Republic uh, and Northern Ireland, as Robert pointed out, there's a possibility that that might have to happen if the EU has to protect uh, the single market. And the fact that um, the UK is not going to be um, imposing the checks that are required to do that, so they have to be done somewhere. So it's a very difficult situation for the Irish government. And I think um, where possible, it's going to be trying to encourage both sides to get back to the negotiating table if possible.
1: Stephen, are you fearful of a trade war between the two ultimately
2: coming out of this? Uh, yeah, I yeah, th- I think it's a a very real possibility. I don't actually believe it's the likelihood, though. I uh, I think what will start to happen is because these things take a lot of time to to put into play. I uh, and and also the UK government at this point in time hasn't actually got this legislation through Parliament. So I uh, they haven't actually done anything other than I uh, suggest that they're they're planning to do something. I uh, what I think will happen in the meantime is that. All those families in the shires in in England who are taking their dog and their ham sandwiches to France for their summer holidays will find their car being stripped. Uh, You'll find uh, people from Glasgow and Leeds and other locations landing in Malaga Airport and finding extended queues to get through passport control. You'll find lorry drivers going, sorry, today's a blue pen day rather than a black pen day. So there, there's things that the Commission will will likely ask their member states to do just to kind of ratchet up the kind of pressure on the UK government uh, before we get to the stage where they'll start putting punitive tariffs on Scottish whisky or car parts or whatever the case may be. Listen, from our perspective, what what this week has done is basically just open another work stream where the risk is we end up with what the UK is proposing. So we need to work hard now and trying to make sure if we ever ended up there, that it's something that can at least kind of work. But the focus remains for us on where the law currently is, which is the protocol, about making that work better, uh, but engaging with not just the UK government, but with Vice President Sefcovic and his team in Brussels, engaging with member states so that they understand the need for compromise and for agreement. Uh, Anything that doesn't result in a... An agreed outcome would be suboptimal for for businesses in the north. So we we will put seventy percent of our efforts into trying to secure that. Whilst the other thirty percent is on keeping an eye on what this bill potentially does uh, as it passages through Parliament. Stephen Kelly, Simon Carswell, and Robert Sweeney, thank you for joining us. No bother.
0: Thank you.
1: Cheers. Thank you. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Stephen Kelly, Simon Carswell, and Robert Sweeney. The show was produced by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor, EY, for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.